Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. This is the Sports Edge with Rick Wolf on your flagship station for New York sports. The Fan, Sports Radio 66 and 1019 FM, WFAN, New York. Hi, everybody, and welcome to this week's edition of Rick Wolf Sports Edge. I'm your host, Rick Wolf. Well, I want to bring to your attention a high school basketball game from this past week where the final score was 102 to 0. <laughs> yes, it's, it's that time of year again when routes take place, and uh, the question, of course, is whether we should allow these things to occur. But first up, like yourself, I've been watching the, uh, the comings and goings in the world of New York sports over the last few weeks. And like yourself, I've been trying to, do, uh, trying to digest what all of this means. Uh, specifically, I'm, I'm talking about the, the clumsy benching of Eli Manning and the subsequent dismissal of uh, Giants head coach Ben McAdoo. Then Joe Girardi, of course, uh, he, he was let go. And then there's the hiring of Aaron Boone as a new manager of the Yankees. Now, I don't want to get into a discussion this morning about the merits of McAdoo or Girardi or Boone, but to me, there was a common theme that seemed to link the three of them. And that's the term that seems to, to, to infiltrate sports at various levels these days. That term is communicator. Now, apparently McAdoo... Uh, was not a good communicator with his players. Apparently, no, was not Joe Girardi was not a good communicator. Uh, but the Yankees do feel that Aaron Boone, who has never managed or coached at any level, is the best communicator around, presumably because he was a sportscaster for the last several years and because he's comfortable with, with social media. In other words, what coaches and managers need these days, apparently above everything else, is the ability to communicate well with their players. Okay, now, let me try and tie all this back into youth and amateur sports. Now, forgive me for being somewhat old school, but hasn't it always been assumed that any coach uh, of athletes needs to be a good communicator? I mean, I always thought that ability was so basic and so fundamental to the job that it's always just been assumed. But maybe over the years, that's become too big of an assumption. Or maybe we've entered into an age which has become so dominated and overwhelmed by numbers and analytics and laptops that the ability to connect with one's players has become a rare ability. But keep this in mind. Being able to communicate isn't just about being there to give a player a pat in the back or a high five. Trust me, that's the easy part of communicating. The hard part of communicating as a coach is knowing what to say to a player when they are struggling with their game. Or if you feel you have to bench them for not producing on the field. Or even worse, you have to discipline them for breaking a team rule or for not hustling or for not being on time to practice or whatever. 
I guess what I'm saying in a very sort of long-winded way is that in order to be a good communicator with your players, you first need to know how to install a sense of discipline and then know how to enforce the team rules. That's the hard part of coaching at any level. And I thought on this morning's show, we talk about the art and practice of discipline and how it's apparently changed over the years. In other words, there's no question that communicating with your players is easy when everything is going well. But when things are not going well and you have to step up as the coach and lay down some bad news to your team, well, coach, that's where communication skills are vital. It goes hand-in-hand with discipline, discipline that needs to be enforced. Our toll-free line is 1-877-337-6666. That is brought to you by Mohegan Sun. Unlimited possibilities await you at Mohegan Sun. Plan your stay at mohegansun.com. Another way of asking this is, how much has discipline changed over the years? And again, I know I'm old school, but when I was in school, as a player, you never wanted to risk a stern look from your coach. If you screwed up, well, that meant you had to run laps and laps and laps, or stand up and openly apologize to your teammates for your screw-up, or even have to write a term paper on what you did wrong. But these days, I think things have changed. I often have the sense that there are too many coaches that who, who want so desperately to be liked by their team that, that discipline is just not as important as it used to be. I hear that lots of parents want to be regarded by their kids as being their friends. But does the same approach work between coaches and athletes? I don't know. What, I, I just think things have changed dramatically, and I want to get your sense. Okay, let's start our conversation this morning with our friend Ed over in Elizabeth. Ed, good morning. How you doing? Good, Rick. Good. I think the big thing today with the communicating is um, I, I, I think you just can't change your style as a coach. Like, for example, with me when I coach travel baseball, mm-hmm. I have, have a couple of Be on time. If you're late, make sure you contact me. And two, wear the uniform the right way. And if you don't do that, you're not going to play. And the parents know that up front. So, again, it's simple. And then other things about with the game and all that stuff, you know, whether it's effort in, in the game or in practice, you know, hey, I'm the coach. I'm going to decide who's going to play or not. If, if your effort's not good, you're going to know. I mean, I think you have – you just can't um, go away from communicating with your players. And you should – you know, and I've told my players in the past, I have an open door. You can always come and talk to me. And then we could tell you, know, whatever you want to talk about. And then I'm going to tell you what, what, whether it's the playing time, uh, your performance, or if you sometimes a player needs to communicate, which you may not even be with uh, about performance. You may have a personal issue. You need someone to uh, lean on to uh, get some information. But, Ed, is that, is that approach working? I mean, with a kid, let's say you have a player who isn't, isn't hustling or is not performing well, and you say to the kid, Look, I'm going to have to bench you because you just don't seem to understand what what the message here is. That kind of a, a discipline working? They're working with me, and I'm not going to change. You know, <laughs> and I am Rick, as you said, you're old school. I'm old school also. Yeah, I, I mean, you know what, Rick? That approach can still work. Here's how it is: if the parents see that you're a phony, that they'll just shred your, your 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 philosophy apart. If they see you mean business, they won't even bother you. I, I I hear you, and and I um, I as I said, the, the term is old school, uh, and it still has a applicability if, in fact, the kids and the and the parents understand that's how it's going to be. And and uh, well, anyway, Ed, thank you as always for the call. Appreciate it. Have a great day. Take care, Ed. And, and you know, yeah. So you set your rules down early on, 
But it does get complicated as things move through the season, particularly if, um, for example, one of your premier players uh, does something that uh, it doesn't seem to be in line with your sense of, uh, of team discipline. And all of a sudden you say, well, I'm sorry, you're our best player, but you're going to have to sit. Now, they may not sit well with the rest of the ball club as to what you're doing. And, again, it puts the pressure back on the, on the, on the coach. Are you communicating well? All right, let's move on. Let's go to a, let's go to our friend Mike out in East Rockaway. Hey, Mike, you're on the fan. Good morning, Rick. How you doing? Always, uh, I'm doing well, Rick. I always tune in every Sunday, you know, yep. for the past uh, 15 years. Yes, sir. Uh, I just told Tyler, I'm heading out to Mulcahy's and say hello to Mike. We, we play ball against each other, uh, grammar school, high school. Oh, no kidding. And, okay, uh, excellent. Yeah. And, uh, Rick, uh, you know, my, my daughter plays basketball, softball. My son graduated college last year as a wide receiver at a good school upstate. Played three sports. I have a nephew playing sports. Communication, like you said, Rick, is, is elementary. It's, it's uh, coaching one-on-one. And you see the breakdown, what happened to the Giants. And, you know, on the college level, high school level, it, it is uh, so bizarre to think that coaches can't even communicate. Some do it well. Um and, you know, when you open your show, Rick, with that basketball score, I mean, that's, that's you know, that's a bush. That, that is so, you know, crazy. And, and sometimes you really have to think about the mindset of some coaches, how they go about their business. Yeah, you know, and I will come back to that score uh, in, in a little while on the show. But, you know, I, I think what we're saying, Mike, is that when you talk to – when you hire a new coach or you look for the criteria as to what a good coach needs to, to be able to do – Communication, right. of course, we all, of course, the coach has to communicate. That's the whole idea of, of working with young players. But communication also has this, this, uh, this, this theme about it uh, of discipline, meaning that, yeah, we're going to communicate with the kids in the team, but you understand if a kid doesn't get the rules or doesn't follow the rules, he or she is going to have to uh, be disciplined and pay the price. And I think sometimes that's where we run into some difficulties because for some reason in this day and age, that, that, that message doesn't seem to, to follow through, and that, that's what oh. concerns me. And, and it does. And, and the interference that you see from parents, uh, I, I, I could really write a book on the parents in the ball fields. I could. Yeah. Um, from what I've seen. Um, and it, it's really elementary when you want to coach. Some, some are frustrated ball players, coaches. Others go about their business. Um, you know, when my son was young and my nephew was young, I, I went up to a coach. I didn't know him. I said, I have to shake your hand only because the way you conduct yourself and coach with 10-year-olds on a small diamond. Yeah, yeah. Well, you Mike, uh, it, it's, it's, it's just a, it's just it's one of these things. Uh, and, of course, my thanks as always, Mike. Good to hear from you. Always a pleasure, Rick. And why don't I speak to you? Merry Christmas to you and your family. You too. Thanks, Mike. Uh, you know, it, it's it's uh, there's something that seems to have changed or evolved with the whole idea of communication and the the the, the core component of discipline. And I want to talk more about this. Uh, and of course, get your calls and comments at one eight seven seven three three seven sixty six sixty six. Radio dot com. About the issue of coaches and communication skills, and to me, that's a that's a fancy word for knowing how to set rules of discipline and how to how to connect with one's players. I'm taking your calls at one eight seven seven three three seven sixty six sixty six. You know, remember a few weeks ago the press conference 
uh, the new Mets uh, manager, Mickey Callaway, and his his approach approach was so upbeat, and in effect, he was he's saying he's going to treat every player in the Mets team uh, like they were his best friend, or, or words to that effect. You know, like you know, I, best friend. Uh, we're all going to communicate. We're all going to be very positive. I don't think a Bill Belichick would ever make that kind of announcement to his team, nor do I think a Vince Lombardi would or a Tom Landry or Red Auerbach. It's not so much about communicating and being everybody's best friend. It's more about we're here to you know, be clear in our directives, and if there are problems, there'll be discipline involved. Anyway, I'm, I'm, I'm curious to see how things work out this coming spring uh, with, uh, with Callaway when one of his highly played uh, players uh, doesn't run out of pop-up or forgets how many outs there are in an inning. That, that'll be a true test to see how well the communication skills are working. Anyway, I'm, I'm curious to get your thoughts about if things have changed with this whole idea of communicating and discipline. Let's, uh, let's return to our phone calls. Let's go, uh, let's go to Jack over in Fairlawn, uh, New Jersey. Jack, good morning. You're on the fan. Hey, Rick. How are you? Good. How are you? Great show. Um, before we get on to this topic, I just read an article in the, in the Bergen Record yesterday. It wasn't even in the sports. But it was about how we're, you know, we teach our kids to go out and play hard and play hard and do this and do that. And then when the score gets to a certain thing, we we start yelling at them to stop and teaching them lessons about, you know, so that 102 to zero score mm-hmm. um, relates very well there. But back to this topic, um, you know, I coached for 40 years. I've been on the show many times. I listen to it every Sunday morning, and I love. 99% of the topics that you do. Great, thank you. <laughs> today, today you hit it right on the head. Discipline and communication work hand in hand. Mm-hmm. One, of the, one of the things that I've done in the past, and I did it middle to late career because I was just a psycho coach at the beginning of my life, um, I learned to communicate not only with the kids but the parents. And what I did is they have to understand and the parents also have to be disciplined. They have to understand your rules as well as the kids do. So what I did is I wrote a contract up. Uh-huh. And I made, the, I made the kids sign, I made the athletes sign it, and I made the parents sign it. And I remember two of my, you know, referring back, my two most important rules were these. Don't ever speak to me about playing time. That's my decision right. as a coach. That's old school. And don't ever mention another kid's name when you come into a meeting to discuss anything with me. Mm-hmm. And parents follow those rules. But one of the things that one of the things and I've been out of coaching now for about eight years. Um, I do private coaching now, but what we what's happening today is we're we're so worried about hurting feelings. We're so worried about making somebody upset, and we're not teaching those them the lessons about what it is to lose in life. And to fail. Failing is, is the most important tool in success. And if we don't teach lessons about failing and about not being the best and giving it, you know, I tell my kids, listen, when you get up in the morning, you get up in the morning and, and, and go to bed at night, you got to look in that mirror and say, I gave everything I have. And if you can say that, you were successful today, win or lose. And wins and losses are not always measured by, I mean, success is not always win, measured by wins and losses. It's measured by, per, you know, production and, and improvement. But today, also our administration, Rick, and I'll, you know, and I'll stop and listen. Um, you know, parents today, I've had parents tell me, you know what, you don't have to discipline my kid. Well, right there tells me something. You know, it tells me that they're not willing to, to learn and listen and, and, and to work together. 
So therefore, you know, usually what happens at home happens outside of home. So it's a it's a tough tough thing, but you hit it right on the head. Well, those Jack, two have to work hand in hand. Jack, I, I uh, first of all, I, I thank you so much for your your call, and I definitely want to just drive home that point, which I think is part of the issue today that maybe perhaps is lost in all the smoke and mirrors, and that is that yes, uh, at the end of the day, you know, if you're a young athlete. Uh, you have to look yourself in the mirror and say, look, I, I understand I can't control the outcome of every game I compete in, but what I can control is the amount of effort and drive and determination I put into my, into my game. And that's the key. And, and, you know, I think that's lost uh, sometimes. Before we go, Rick, I just want to mention something, and I'm not really trying to sell this, but... Yeah. Um, I read a book once when my son was a professional athlete. He played eight years of pro baseball with the Cardinals, the Padres, and he, and he finished up an independent league. And when he was being recruited, he was a football – he played football, uh, but he was a he was a all-state, first-team all-state track, first-team all-state baseball. But I started reading books about the mental game. Yep. And I'm going to tell you, my Bible, all these years – was the mental game of baseball by Carl Kuhl and AJ Dorfman. Yeah. And if you and it's all about life skills. It's all about motivation, dedication, preparation, you know, commitment, all of these things. And then they relate it to the sport of baseball, which is amazing. I have all four editions and I read the book ten times. Well and I, I love it. I, Jack, I would tell you that uh, that book is the Bible, and if anybody uh, wants to know about the mental side of sports, and uh, you mentioned H.A. Dorfman, that is Harvey Dorfman, who was my mentor for many right. years, and, and uh, uh, unfortunately Harvey passed a few years ago, but yep, he, was, yep. he was singular in his approach because he wasn't one of these guys who had guys, you know, he didn't go to you as, a, as an athlete and say, you know, uh, take deep breaths and think positive thoughts and sing Kumbaya. No, he was like, right. get look in the mirror. You're not getting the job done. What are you going to do about it? Because it's your responsibility. If you want to improve your game and pr- improve your performance, you got to make take control. And I think that was it was so refreshing. And I saw Harvey do this for years with top top uh, athletes. And uh, you know, his lessons and his legacy live on. Anyhow, Jack, let me move on to get some more calls. Thank you for the Thank call you. this morning. Thank you, Rick. You bet. Take care. And, and you know, Jack is right. I think, you know, we're, we're trying, if we're trying to just sort of coddle and be too soft with our kids and sort of say, well, you know, there's always a reason why it wasn't your fault that you didn't do better or the coach isn't really paying attention. No. You, you as a parent, have to sit down on a little, little bit of a tough love approach and say, look, let's look in the mirror. What's going on here? Are you doing the, the, the max in terms of your effort? Are you really improving your game? Are you just focusing only on your strengths and ignoring your weaknesses? A lot of this is all part of this. And I think, uh, as I said, I think that message has been somehow either pushed off to the side or perhaps it's been uh, you know, minimized in recent years. And that has to do not so much with the coach communicating, but with the player Trying to basically understand what the coach is looking for. Let's move on. Let's go to uh, let's go to Joe over in New Milford. Uh, Joe, good morning. You're on the fan. Good morning, Rick. Thanks for taking the call. You bet. I've called a couple times before. My son, um, my son's a competitive judoka. I know it's a uh, it's a little different than baseball, uh, football, what have you. But his coach is a former three-time Olympian, and from day one, um, any person that walks into her academy understands very clearly not just the the student and, and but even more the parent right that 
it's essentially a combat sport. Um, you know, they're there to learn an art. She's very traditional, but don't coach from the side. Don't, you know, let her handle her, you know, her, this, her side of it. And on the student side, you put your maximum effort in or she sits you during the classes. She doesn't let you go to the advanced classes. It's very old school. Like you said earlier, when you said earlier, I'm old school, I'm old school. You know, it still works. You know, yeah. <laughs> many of many of many of her students are are, are uh, successful. Um, you know, most of the young kids have Olympic aspirations. Um, my son included. You know, you ask him; he's nine. You ask him; he's going to be an Olympian one day. Um, but he's going to do it through you know discipline and effort, and and he understands that she when it's when he's on the mat, he's representing not only you know her, but my wife and I, our family, the school his teammates, and everything that's good about sports. She makes that very, very clear from day one. Well, Joe, let me, let, let me jump in here because I, uh, you mentioned the old-school approach, and obviously it's working for uh, your son. Uh, and, and, Joe, thanks for the call. The, the thing is about old-school, and maybe this is how this message has gotten sort of garbled, old-school approach of discipline, communication skills, it worked and worked for a good long time. Maybe the problem today is the fact that too many coaches, you know, feel that, well, if I'm too much of a tough guy, then that's going to either alienate the kids away from me, the kids are going to be intimidated, uh, they're not going to perform for me, their parents are going to get upset, so I better come across with a big smile and a big pat in the back for everybody, and everybody understands that uh, I'm going to communicate well with them, but when things start going uh, sideways, that's when all of a sudden discipline is needed, and that's when things can really end up uh, having real issues in terms of, again, communication. Let's move on. Let's go to uh, let's go over to Newark where Patience has been patient. <laughs> good morning, Patience. You're on the fan. Hi. Good morning. Thank good morning. you for taking my call. You bet. Um, me, <laughs> me and my husband asked to run an um, AAU basketball team. And a lot of the things, that, like discipline is paramount in our program. Okay. Um, like, for instance, if the kid ain't trying to box out, or they're not trying to do their job on the court, they can sit right on the bench with us. We don't tolerate any of that thing. What I see happening, even from AAU to elementary to high school, the coaches, they get a bunch of talented players, and they think they have a team. Like, they don't have to do much. We're not just teaching these kids the game. We're also teaching and developing developing them to be human beings. Mm-hmm. Good human beings. And I think coaches lost that along the way. And that's why you see so many of them getting fired or getting replaced or getting demoted because they don't, they lost how to, com- like you said, communicate with the kids. But it's about, a lot of things is about money. These coaches are getting paid. They have their favorite players. Again, they're not thinking about how the kids are developing and performing on the court. They're just trying to make a big name for themselves. And I think that's a huge problem. And you say parents are not taking accountability because many of the parents are involved in that process when their kids join the team, the coaches, the schools, the programs, they like the parents out. And I think that you should include the parents, let them understand what it is that you're doing. Well, I patience. I, I mean, I, I think that's exactly, and obviously you're, you're trying to do that with your team. And I agree with you that, that, you know, the, the, the sense of discipline, which has to be instilled because we know, particularly in AAU, we know that's, that's uh, all about, well, we're looking for the top promising players and trying to get them promoted to the next level. And we'll overlook the fact that the kid doesn't rebound or box out or doesn't uh, play defense. 
you know, because the kid's a great scorer. You can't do that. And and obviously the other kids and the other parents are watching saying, well, why, why is there a double standard? We, you know, you're trying to teach the idea of team play, and yet if, the, if these basic fundamental concepts are overlooked or not enforced, you're going to have real chaos. And I'm sure you probably have, have looked at and seen that in other, other teams. Bad basketball all around. Yeah, the I, big, <laughs> six, foot, six foot seven kids on the court that don't want to rebound, but they want to be the point guard. Yeah. <laughs> the point guard, like you can't have. Like you can't deny my son being a point guard because you want this six four eight person to do everything else on the court. Then why? Why is my son on the court? Yeah, I, like, I, I, like that. it's boggling. It is mind boggling, and that's exactly what we're talking about. And uh, hey, thank you for the call this morning. Uh, greatly appreciated. You. you know, and and patience is just talking about is what we're we're really focusing on. If we gotten to the point that well, we're just going to have sort of two rules. I mean, if the kid is super talented or in basketball is really tall, you know, we let them get away with things that other kids are. Just a few minutes from now, Mike Francesa's Farewell Football Sunday. It's being held over at Mulcahy's. Make sure you either stop by or check out uh, what Mike has to say and his final thoughts uh, talking about the NFL. Uh, as always, I invite you to check out my uh, website at AskCoachWolf.com. And in just a few weeks, uh, copies of my new book, Secrets of Sports Psychology Revealed, will be published. You can go to Amazon today and pre-order a copy, or you can order it from AskCoachWolf.com. You know, I wrote the book because I just thought the time had come to help fully explain how sports psychology is used by top athletes and coaches these days. And I wanted a lot of the misunderstandings and confusion to be cleared up. In fact, uh, earlier caller Jack had mentioned Harvey Dorfman. Uh, well, there's a lot of Harvey Dorfman uh, in my book because uh, obviously he was my mentor and inspired me in this field. So make sure you check out Secrets of Sports Psychology Revealed. Now, before I return my thoughts about communication and discipline, I do want to give you more detail about this high school basketball game. You know, um, we know that every year we're going to see routes, uh, particularly in high school basketball. This one occurred in the state of Montana, where one girls varsity team defeated another school by the score of 102 to 0. Now, that's right. It was a total shutout. Uh, Freud Medicine Lake High School 102, Brockton High School 0. Backstory is that the losing team had a number of its starters who were ill, couldn't play in the game. In fact, the team was down to only five healthy kids on its roster, of which comprised an eighth grader, three freshmen, and a sophomore. And the tallest of the, of the, of the five girls was only 5'7". And then early in the second half of this route, one of the girls on the losing team suffered a knee injury and couldn't continue, so the high school played with only four girls. The winning team was at full strength and had three starters who were over six feet tall. At the half, it was 59 to nothing. And, yeah, they had a running clock in the second half, but it was still five against four. I don't know if the winning team tried to slow the game down, although I tend to doubt it if they scored 100 points. But you would have thought that perhaps the two coaches and refs would have met at halftime and discussed what to do in the second half to prevent this kind of lopsided event from continuing. Maybe just declare the game a win for the, uh, the winning team and play the second half as a kind of scrimmage. 
or if, if, if so many of the kids on the losing team were, were ill and couldn't even make the game, why not just reschedule the, uh, the contest for a later date during the year? Who want, I mean, look, who wants to play in a game that's truly non-competitive? And uh, these kind of things do happen, but I just don't see any reason why coaches and refs can't get together and, like adults, like educators, figure out a way to handle these kind of potentially embarrassing situations. I mean, I just think this hap- we know what's going to happen. When it does seem to present itself, that's where somebody has to, again, as an adult, sort of stand up and say, let's figure this out and figure out what's the best way to handle this kind of predicament. And by the way, my thanks to, uh, to Dave Miller at Long Island for, for this heads up on this game. Okay, let's return to our topic here about, you know, coaching and communicating and the sense of discipline. Let's go over to, let's go to Brian, who's on a, in a car phone uh, this morning. Brian, good morning. You're on the fan. Morning. How are you? Good, Brian. How are you? Good. Thanks for asking. Yes, sir. So my general view is I'm 50. I've got a 14-year-old, a 13-year-old, and a 10-year-old. Sadly, the majority of coaches that I've, I've experienced with my kids are vastly underqualified, more emotionally than I would say their knowledge of sports. And the people who are in charge of disciplining and leading by example, I think are often the bad example. Mm-hmm. And there's really nothing you can do about it because it's kind of adverse selection. You get the people who are ironically the least qualified. And I'm all for discipline and listening. And obviously communication is important. But if you have the wrong person doing it, and you have the wrong person leading by example, because I've always thought that actions speak louder than words. Yes. That's why I think youth sports especially, you see so much bad behavior. Well, Brian, that's... This has, of course, been an age-old issue. Uh, you know, first of all, um, you would like to think the people who are going to help out the youth level and volunteer uh, do have at least some rudimentary understanding of how to work with kids and how to communicate and how to uh, enforce a sense of discipline. But you're right. If you have a program where the coaches really don't know what they're doing or don't have any real uh, background in terms of working with kids, it can really sort of go in the wrong direction. And and that becomes the responsibility of the people who run the league to help ensure that the coaches are well-versed and have been, uh, in effect, coached themselves into working with the youngsters. As you said, it becomes a very untenable, very unpleasant situation for everybody involved. And it can really, it really sort of um, becomes a lose-lose kind of predicament. Yeah, it's sad. I mean, when kids are at their most impressionable ages, and young parents are trying to figure out the system. You hit so many unfortunate roadblocks. Yeah. And um, I tell you, the worst thing I've seen is when a parent speaks up. You know, assume it's a intelligent, well-spoken person who's thoughtful about speaking up, and these coaches take it out on the kid. That's right. Some of these coaches actually are bullies. And the problem is there really is no selection process. A lot of these programs... You get what you get, and you don't get upset because there's not enough parents to coach or even paid coaches, and uh, it, it, it could become such a quagmire of uh, very sad emotion and bad behavior. Well, what happens is, and, I, and I, I hear you, and, and uh, you know, Brian, thank you for the call. Uh, just to continue on those lines, if you have a situation where things begin to go sort of south and the parents have to go home and basically explain to their kids, well, your coach – 
really doesn't seem to understand exactly what's the right thing to do here. And, and all of a sudden, the parent is beginning to sort of like basically sabotage the coach. Uh, the, kid, the kid gets confused and doesn't really understand what's the best way to react the next time he or she goes to a practice and the coach tells him to do something. Again, it sort of spins out of control. And this is why we've discussed this many times on the show. It is so vital that you have a coach at the youth level who really is well-versed and knows how to work with youngsters and how to set the right tone. Let's move on. Let's go uh, to King's Point where Frank is standing by. Frank, good morning. You're on the fan. Good morning, Rick. How are you? Good. How are you, Frank? Good, good. Rick, I was going to echo the testament to that last caller. Yeah. I totally agree. You know, this, this way of uh, my way or the highway, these guys are just bullies, man. And, uh, you know, I'm, I'm a new school coach. Okay, my door is always open to the players. I explain to the players, uh, just, just like the, the new approach in the major leagues with Aaron Boone, the new Mets manager. We're going to care about you guys. We're going to love you guys. I mean, I treat, I treat these kids like they're my own kids. And, and as far as the parents, Rick, yeah, some of them are real morons, but you know what? I try to include them. My door is always open. I gave them my cell phone. You guys have problems about playing time? Call me. I'll explain to you why your child is playing. Well, not playing. Is that I don't have con. I don't have contracts and signed here. That that right away tells me that coach is a bully. Frank, is that stuff? Have you had any experience? Has that, that stuff worked for you? This sort of new school approach. Have I've been you- coaching Rick football for eight years and basketball for four years. Yeah. And I tell you, Rick, it, it, it's been a joy. It's been much better how to include the parents. Uh, not totally include them, but but let them keep them up with what's going on. If they have a problem with their child. You can call me. I, my door is always open. I tell the kids. I don't curse at them. I, don't, I mean, I yell at them. I want to win. Don't get me wrong. We all want to win. But at what cost? Well, you know, I, these are- <laughs> Frank, let me, let me say, and, and, and uh, thank you for the call. I salute you because, you know, if it's working for you and, and you're doing a good job and, and, and all the parents and the kids are happy, that's wonderful. I would probably suggest that uh, you are the exception to the rule because, first of all, most coaches today do not try to include the parents, which, of course, is a huge mistake. And two, you know, it's one thing to be inclusive and to be upbeat and everything. That's great. But, again, the question is, at what point when things start to go sideways and discipline is involved, that becomes the ultimate litmus test. That's the real concern as to whether or not things are actually going to work out. And, again, I think we're going through a transition phase right now. We'll see what happens with these great communicators in the years to come. All right, let me take a quick pause. I'll be back. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road, the steeper the better because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones so we'll never lose touch with civilization and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic? And conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. 